0: Hello, welcome to another episode of Vertigo Voices. I'm, Hi. I'm Colby. <laughs> I'm Overeager.
1: I'm Sophia. Uh, I, was gonna
0: start with, uh, I was going to start with, uh, I was going to do a whole bit where I sing a song, but I'm hungover, so I'm not going to know. Well,
1: there goes our theme song.
0: Yeah. Yes. So, <clears throat> uh, first thing, quick bit of news. We mentioned, I don't know, a couple weeks ago about the Justice League Snyder Cut getting re-edited or whatever. Uh, so back then, the budget was predicted to be about $30 million of additional you know, money tied into the sinking ship. Well, now it's uh, announced it was more like $70 million, and they're doing reshoots.
1: Holy Moses! Which
0: is like, this is just constant goalpost shifting for this project. Back a couple years ago, it was, no, the, the, it's done. Like, it's totally done. I have my cut done and ready to go. Then it was, well, it's, it's mostly done. I still have to finish the CGI and the soundtrack and all that. But other than that, it's done. Then, well, it's mostly edited. I've still got a little bit more to tweak. And Well, it's kind of edited. <laughs> and now it's basically just a new fucking movie. It's $70 million. Wow. That's a, that's a not cheap action movie. It is not. <laughs> no. I mean, that, that could be its own thing. And that's on top of, like, the $300 million reported that the studio already sunk into this fucking thing. <laughs> no
1: kidding. And with news like that, you you want it to be good, but there's a large part of you that knows that that's probably not the case. <laughs> when
0: all this is happening, like, Warner Brothers is sinking money into this right after they've announced massive layoffs. Um, you know, they, they got rid of a, a ton of positions right before their whole fandom event just a couple weeks ago. And so it just... It, it, I don't know, it seems wrong. <laughs> that's not that's not how things are done. Like it's just fucking weird. And fans are falling all over themselves to you know, like, well what's the big deal? Who cares? Just let them finish it. Like that's not the point. The point is people have been saying for years, like, no, this this doesn't exist. <laughs> and you're like, No, it does. It fucking does. Let him release it. <laughs> like, well, no, you're asking him to make a whole new movie now. Like that's not that's not what we had talked about years ago. So I don't know, it's just fucking annoying. And I don't care if i never seen another one of his movies. (laughs) 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 On uh, better news, James Gunn announced that he is working on a Peacemaker TV series Mm. uh, to be aired on HBO Max, spinoff of his The Suicide Squad, starring John Cena. Going to be filming in, I think, January? He wrote the whole series, and he's going to be, I believe, directing the pilot. Right. Yeah, fans asked if this was going to interfere with Guardians of the Galaxy 3, uh, and he said no, this was all, this is all going to happen in his already allowed, like, cool-down time between movies. He said that basically the only reason this is happening is because of COVID. He was bored at home, so he wrote these scripts <laughs> and talked to WB about it, and they were like, yeah, let's fucking do it. So, Peacemaker's getting his own spinoff. There's already a poster. It says, okay. fuck, it's Peacemaker. <laughs> <laughs> that is good news. <laughs> yeah. right. And then people are like, well, does that, that means he's going to survive Suicide Squad. And James, all James Gunn has said is uh, he's not going to tell you when the show is set until Suicide Squad is released. Very clever. So it could be a prequel, could be set after, who knows. Anyway, marketing. So yeah, that's my, my news. I guess follow-up to two things from a couple weeks ago. Good follow-up. Well, kind of. Fucking just asleep. You <laughs> want to angry punch the air. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it is news, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's confusing news, but...
0: So, on to the main point of the episode. Today we are going to be looking at the first volume of Why the Last Man, the uh, comic book series by Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerra. Uh,
1: award-winning comic yeah. book. What did, it what did it get? Like I don't know, several Eisner Awards, something like that. Yeah, probably. I don't know. Yes. Anyway, yes. I don't yes. give a
0: shit about awards. <laughs>
1: it's very lauded, <laughs> <nodded>, very lauded <laughs> in the comic book community.
0: On the cover of my edition, it says the best graphic novel I've ever read by Stephen King
1: he would know
0: and his son writes graphic novels so that's saying something (laughs) sorry son like fuck you Joe Hill I'm all about that (laughs) BK Vaughn
1: like you're a good kid but not as good as Why the Last Man
0: (laughs) you're you know what you're fine
1: (laughs) (laughs) as long as you can pay your bills it's okay
0: (laughs) so the first volume is called Unmanned what's what's your book report what's the uh the overall story of I don't know this volume or, or the series or whatever
1: well, to start with, basically, why The Last Man is about the last man on Earth and his pet monkey, who also happens to be male. All the other guys mysteriously die simultaneously in, with a horrible virus of unknown- Maybe. Maybe. Nobody
0: really- Maybe. Yeah, is it a virus? Yes. They just all spit up blood and die.
1: Exactly. The overall series does a very good job of not giving anything away. Like, Vaughn and company never settle on an exact reason why all the men have died. Do
0: you Uh, know what they did after the fact?
1: After the fact? Yeah,
0: I think it was two years after the final volume. Mute your goddamn phone. I thought I did. Damn it, damn it. Yeah, they they settled on it, uh, I believe, a couple years later in one of the additions, I think they said. I don't know. I don't know if we should talk about it now or not, but we'll get to it. Anyway, regardless.
1: I missed that part, but yes, to be continued. So, Yorick, who is a young 20-something English major, uh, down on his luck, not doing too well in the job department, wants to be a escape artist, and his pet monkey, Ampersand, are the last guys on the face of the earth, and... The running joke throughout history would be like, what would it be like to be the last man on earth surrounded by women? Ha ha ha. They show us that it's really not that funny. It is and yet it isn't. There's a a lot going on. It's basically a cross-country trip as he uh, unites with a special agent and a doctor who specializes in cloning and thinks that maybe her own experiments might have brought down mankind and they try to figure out how to save the species.
0: How do you pronounce the agent's name? Do you, do you say 355 or 355? I say
1: 355.
0: Five. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but, yeah, so there's a special agent from the Culper Ring named Agent 355, 355, whatever. <laughs> but that's a real code name from back in the Revolutionary War. It was one of George Washington's spies.
1: Really? And I she, didn't know
0: that. Yeah, they talk about it in the book, which he's a... That was an actual person, and we only know her historically by her code name. Like, history doesn't know what her real name is.
1: Well, I knew that the Culpa Ring was based on, on George Washington's yeah. firing, but I, did, I missed the part where they say that age of 355 is an actual...
0: Oh, maybe they don't in this volume. I don't remember. But there was actually a TV show about it a couple years ago called The Turn on AMC. I think it starred... God, what's that guy's name? A guy from Jumper played... The Thing in the shittiest Fantastic Four movie. Oh,
1: um, <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, Bell?
0: Jamie, is it Jamie Bell. Jamie isn't Jamie Bell. Whatever. To say yeah. It was him. He he's in that show. He doesn't play three five five, but
1: is <laughs> <laughs> he do better than he did in Fantastic Four? I've I
0: seen it. I just know about it. <laughs> Fucking Fantastic Four. Did you notice I said the shittiest Fantastic Four? I did. Because none of them are really great, but...
1: <laughs> and see, what's great about that is when you say that, everyone knows yeah. what you're talking about. That
0: 2015 movie is a goddamn abomination.
1: <laughs>
0: That's what killed all the men.
1: <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> so, yeah, what do we think about this book? What do you rate it?
0: I say it's a vertigo. Um, it's good. I I uh, noticed, so I haven't read it since probably about 2008 or 9. I just read the entire series over the course of a few weeks. It's, I don't know, there's like some weird dated bits about it. But overall, it's a fun, interesting, mystery, post-apocalyptic, whatever. I really like the way society falls apart in it. Mm -hmm. Because uh, in my edition, I don't know if, I don't recall seeing this page in my old paperback edition, but in my edition, after the first volume, there's, like, a status quo page right here.
1: Oh, no, that's not in there. It says, Welcome
0: to the Unmanned World. In the summer of 2002, a plague of unknown origin destroyed every last sperm, fetus, and fully developed mammal with a Y chromosome. That's funny, it says mammal, because in the book they talk about, like, butterflies that don't. that are extinct now. Anyway, regardless, (laughs) with the apparent exception of one young man and his pet, a male capuchin monkey, this gender side instantaneously instantaneously exterminated 48% of the global population or approximately 2.9 billion men. 495 of the Fortune 500 CEOs are now dead, as are 99% of the world's landowners. In the U.S. alone, more than 95% of all commercial pilots, truck drivers, and ship captains died as did 92% of all violent felons. Internationally, 99% of of all mechanics, electricians, and construction workers are now deceased, though 51% of the planet's agricultural labor force is still alive. 14 nations, including Spain and Germany, have women soldiers who have served in ground combat units. None of the U.S.'s nearly 200,000 female troops have ever participated in ground combat. Australia, Norway, and Sweden are the only countries to have women serving on board board submarines. In Israel, all women between the ages of 18 and 26 have performed compulsory military service in the Israeli Defense Force for at least one year and nine months. Before the plague, at least three Palestinian suicide bombers had been women. Worldwide, 85% of all government representatives are now dead, as are 100% of Catholic priests, Muslim imams, and Orthodox Jewish rabbis. <laughs> it's just an interesting way to, to look at it when you break down the numbers. The Catholic Church is gone now. Oh. <laughs> when, when, you, when you have an organization that's so defined by its gender lines, if you take that gender away, then it's just fucking gone. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I like that they set that up for you there because one of the... Criticisms that I've heard about this book is that, too. Even though this is 2002, which wasn't that long ago, like too often we look at things through a modern lens. Yeah. And when you consider again the percentage of like, well, this is how many men make up this particular organization or institution versus women. If you guys were to just all die tomorrow, it uh, puts things in kind of a a dire. Bond, yeah. Exactly.
0: So to speak. <laughs> Well, it's, it's interesting to me, too, the range of emotions you see in the book as the new status quo is established. There's a kind of a jump between when the gender side hits and then it cuts to, what is it, like three weeks later or something? Mm-hmm. So you, you don't see the immediate aftermath, but you see the people kind of starting to put the pieces back together and starting to, to live their lives. Like you know, there's that supermodel that's now just collecting dead bodies. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's, there's York's mother who worked in the government who's now trying to, to write the course or whatever, trying to keep things going in, in the government in Washington, D.C. And then there's the Republican senator's wives who are <laughs> trying to uh, violently take back their husband's seats. And I, I like when they have that argument about the, like, well, every time a con- con- congressman has died, his wife has taken over a seat. Like, yeah, but they were elected. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's a, and I that's a great little joke in the book. The book is laced with all sorts of gallows humor. But when uh, uh, York meets up with his mother in the White House, <laughs> and there's that explosion outside, and the window blows in, and he's like, "Oh my God, what is it? Is it terrorists? Is it you know the daughters of the Amazon? What is it?" And she's like, "Worse, Republicans." <laughs> and they do a good job, I think, of skewering both sides of the aisle. Nobody, nobody gets away completely unscathed in this. There is no one side that is all morally just and another side that is, uh, you know, bankrupt.
0: Yeah, but also this is vertigo, so fuck Republicans. (laughs)
1: Yes, (laughs) yes.
0: uh, (laughs) I really like the idea of, if confronted with this kind of catastrophe, No one is going to handle this well. Exactly. You know, there's always this idea that whatever group is not in power, if they were to gain power, they would be responsible or good or just or whatever. But really, like, the reason that white men are, as a whole, shitty (laughs) is just because they're the first ones to grab power. Yes and it's beca- it's not it's, it's not that there's something inherently evil in white men it's that they we <laughs> grabbed power and let that power just destroy us for hundreds of thousands of years <laughs> and so whatever whatever group then grabs that power they're going to be just as bad and like you see that in the book with you know like the amazons uh trying to destroy every remnant of the patriarchy and murdering women who you know mourn dead men and then uh and there's, you know there's other characters obviously that are the opposite of that so I really like the scene where York and that woman are commiserating over the musicians that are dead
1: yeah and, that's a beautiful scene that made me a little sad
0: and he goes the eels and she goes the who and he goes yeah them too
1: <laughs> exactly and you're you're right that is uh, a myth that I think gets told in in uh, well it has been told. In feminism throughout history particularly as it pertains to white feminism is that if we were to come into power we would bring our scruples with us it would be a more peaceful harmonious yeah. compassionate place and obviously that's the ideal but at the end of the day it's like we're all still people so there's going to be power imbalances there there's going to be people there who have no other agenda but their own
0: yeah
1: like uh Oh, what's her name? She's the Palestinian...
0: Oh, uh, Alter? Alter, yes,
1: yes. I love how her character gets established, and you pretty much know right away, at least it feels that way to me reading the first volume. For those of you who haven't read it yet... There's a scene in the comic book where she's being talked to by some American journalists. Mm-hmm. They have this idea that, oh, we want to do the story about female soldiers and how do you feel being forced to carry a gun, da-da-da-da. And basically, you get the impression right away that she's like, I love it. I'm only frustrated that I'm not able to fight and kill people, basically. Yeah. <laughs> when the plague hits and the women are all alone and she steps into a position of power, you get the impression that she's like, this is where I belong. Yeah. I'm not going to give this up anytime soon. And
0: at the end of the vo- uh, volume, the first one is called unmanned. I can't remember if I said that at the end of that first volume, she, uh, you know, there's the implication that she's going to just destroy everything, <laughs> destroy Dr. Mann's, uh, Research, you know, to keep the current status quo, so she can keep her power, the power of Israel. (laughs) Who's your favorite character?
1: That's well, so far, of course, you know, Agent Three Five Five because she's a badass. I won't say York is my favorite, but I like his development. Yeah. What's the uh, former supermodel's name? Matt Waverly. (laughs) Waverly. She, I don't she, think she
0: comes back, does she? I think she's only in that one scene.
1: I, I think she does. I think so.
0: Cause then three five five talks about how she stole her dump truck. Or no. Yeah. And I don't think you see her again.
1: I th- she isn't she doesn't she come back like in volume three or four or something? I don't know.
0: Maybe.
1: Anyway. <laughs> anyway, she's just funny. Like, yeah. you know, she there she is picking up dead bodies and she's like, Yeah, I used to be a model, <laughs> you know, and right before all this shit went down, I spent three thousand mm-hmm. dollars on a boob job. Much <laughs> <You know? laughs> good it does me now. <laughs> So there's a lot of good characters in this. It's hard for me to pick just one. But what about you?
0: I really like 355, which... That, I don't know if we explain that, the relationships of the characters. So, like, Yorick is the last man with his little helper monkey ampersand, and then his mom is a politician, and 355 is the secret agent who's tasked with bringing the new president back to the White House, and then the new president tasks her with protecting Yorick while they go find a geneticist who may be able to help restart the human population through cloning. And that geneticist, Dr. Mann, I think you mentioned earlier, also thinks that she created the the plague through her cloning. Playing god. <laughs> goddess. <laughs>
1: like you do in sci-fi.
0: When I first read this, like I was all about York because I was fresh out of college and... Uh, I think I had a job, but no real direction in life. And his obsessive knowledge with, like, escape artists and magic acts, where he talks about, yeah, Harry Houdini's okay, but his, his brother's better, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, like, just that stupid trivia that he's always spitting out reminded me a lot of myself. <laughs> uh, and now, I mean, he's still a fun character. I just don't identify with him as much as I did. I really like Dr. Mann, and I really like Alter. I think mean, she's, like, she's a cool character, because she's not, like, a stone-cold mustache-twirling villain, but she's very, uh, she's very Mm laser-focused, and from her point of view, what she's doing makes total sense, you know, that's always the mark of a good antagonist, and, I don't know, know, 355 is great, too, I don't know, it's a lot lot of cool characters. (laughs)
1: Um, on, on the note of Yorick, and, you know, maybe this is asking a little bit much, but I think I deserve some credit for not making an alas, poor Yorick joke, (laughs)
0: Um, and yet here we are. And
1: yet here we are. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. One another criticism I see levied at this book is like people who are just diving into it is uh, I actually I know you should never fight with people on the internet because you both lose and you both look like
0: assholes. What did you do?
1: <laughs> well, I was in a forum.
0: The, of course. Step one. Step one.
1: <laughs> Don't go to forums. <laughs> And uh, they were talking about Why the Last Man, Volume 1, Unmanned, and this person was just going off on how much they hated this book because York is just such a bad character, and he's so spoiled, and he's so oblivious, and da-da-da-da-da. And it's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's 60 books in <laughs> yes. this story. And, of course, starting out, um, he's just ripe for character development because, yeah, how many of us were pretty insufferable in our early 20s? Yeah. Not because we meant to be, but just because you're naive and you have all these ideas about the way life and love should be. And that's York starting out in this book. like at first his uh, his number one goal after the plague happens is to get to his girlfriend yeah. who's in Australia. Who he thinks has said yes to his yeah, exactly. over the phone marriage
0: proposal? <laughs> and he's gonna find the love of his life. Who, when he proposes to her right before the plague hits, she's doing a look. We need to talk, <laughs> and then like the <laughs> like, blanket. Oh, no, I'm gonna find my true love. She's gonna. We're gonna be married. <laughs>
1: we're gonna repopulate the yeah. world the old fashioned way. And everyone's like, no, 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 yeah. no, no. And plus, being a former theater kid myself, I'm totally biased, and I think that it's fantastic that a theater kid, so to speak, that is Yorick, is going to help save the world. We always knew it would happen. So
0: Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> also, as a former theater kid, fuck all that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there are two types of former theater kids. <laughs>
1: The ones that think they can save the world in the
0: apocalypse? <laughs> uh, just the, the, one, the ones who liked that and the ones who didn't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that's that's fair. That's a fair assessment. <laughs> and, uh, oh, we didn't talk about his sister at all.
0: Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, that's right. So he's got a sister who's, at the beginning, a paramedic named Hero. And then, I guess it's, what, the second or third issue of this, it's revealed that she's allied with the Amazons. Who are like a malicious, well not malicious, they're a uh, like an authoritarian group that's trying to put aside the old patriarchal world and create a new female empowerment world. And yeah. They're called Amazons because they cut off one of their breasts like the Amazons did to fire arrows back in, I don't know, Greek myth. Is it Greek? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Let's go with that. Greek, Roman, it's all the same. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's, she becomes one of them. And that, that's a, that was a great reveal. I remember the first time reading that and being like, oh, shit! <laughs> yeah,
1: totally missing one boob. You're like, oh, she went there.
0: I really like the, the Amazon leader. I can't remember her name now. Victoria. Victoria, yeah. The kind of the cult of personality that she has. And she's very well-reasoned, very charismatic, her whole speech about the word cunt was great <laughs> that that woman that they capture calls her a cunt and then she goes into like the history of the word and like yeah like only americans would think that's such an evil thing to call somebody you know like over in england's pretty tame thing it's thrown around all the time and comes from the the greek word of whatever and, uh yeah i thought that was great and then yeah shoot her around the head
1: Exactly. And that's, that's another interesting aspect of the book is that here's this group that is, they're saying that they're wiping away the patriarchy to replace it with, uh, you know, feminine energy, so to speak. The thing about, you know, it's too easy when you're talking about the patriarchy to get into uh, the mindset that it just means, you know, it's something that needs to be smashed or, you know, men bad, women yeah. good, again, that thing again. But when you look at the Amazons, um, so much of what they espouse and enact, you could say is it's exactly like the old world that yeah. they claim to
0: abhor. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just a, quote, patriarchal way of thinking. And again, it's just, It's power. It's not it's not gender that causes these things. It's just whoever has that power, you know. And now they have the power, so they're doing the killing,
1: right? And I'm I'm. It's been a long time since I've read this. And as I was reading Volume One, like getting reintroduced to these characters and going back on this journey, um, you know, you start to remember things that happen later on in the volume. Excuse me, in the in the series, and. Uh, <laughs> It's kind of funny how even though you know what's going to happen, you're still like, oh, oh, hero, no. (laughs) It's not too late to turn away and go down a different path.
0: (laughs) So let's talk about the art in the series a bit. Pia Guerra is the main artist for most of the series. I think there's a couple of fill-in issues that she didn't do. But overall, she really directed the uh, look of the book. And she's got a cool kind of classical comic book style that is detailed but almost like there's a touch of cartooniness to it
1: mm, in, in, indeed in, you're aware that you're reading a comic book but at the same time it uh, well you can say this about a lot of comic books but I I really see how this could get adapted into a series or a movie because so much of it feels like storyboards
0: Yeah for sure and she has a she's got a style that is really well suited for this environment like the world that they've created
1: do you know what else has she worked on do you know
0: she's done a lot of little things here and there like filling issues she did a doctor who comic and i think 2009 or 10 called the forgotten that's the other like major work that she's done but she i believe right now
1: i know that she was uh doing cartoons for the new yorker for yeah. a while.
0: Yeah, she's done New Yorker cartoons for quite a while. Right now she's working on a book called Me, the People. It's an editorial cartoon book. So oh, cool. Never mind. <laughs> but yeah, she's worked for the New Yorker, Mad Magazine, The Nib. Did some work on, like she did a, a Wizards of the Coast. She was like a card illustrator for them. For a couple of uh, White Wolf and Legend of the Five Rings cards.
1: She's dabbled a lot in different areas, yeah. so to speak.
0: And I met her in 2010 at the local Comic-Con. You know, she was in Artist Alley. And I remember walking up to her having... I think I'd, I'd read the entire series of Why the Last Man at that point. Walked up to her table and was like, Oh my God, Like, can I can I get a sketch from you? And she like very nonchalantly was like, Yeah, sure. Uh, do you have your own paper? And I was like, Oh no, I, I don't. And she's like, Oh, it's all right. I'll just take a page out of my sketchbook. I was like, okay, well, how, how much is that? And she goes, uh, I don't know, five bucks? Oh. And I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'll take 20. <20." laughs> but she made me a, a gorgeous uh, inked sketch of Yorick and ampersand. It's been sitting on my wall for a while. I actually had to take it down because the frame I had for it didn't fit it. I was afraid it was going to like wrinkle or something. So I just have it behind the plastic right now.
1: Your comic book stories about meeting people in the industry made me simultaneously (laughs) jealous and at the same time really happy. I'm (laughs) like, tell me again. Tell me again. Well,
0: then after I I came back to get my picture, when I paid her the five bucks, I was like, so how much would it have been if I had my own paper? And she was like, no, nah, I would have just done it for free. Oh, <laughs> I'm God. Like, Jesus. Lord. Good Lord. Every other artist I've ever met, I've had to, like, if I wanted art from them, I would have had to, like, mortgage a home, you know, to right. be able to afford it. And she was just like, yeah, yeah five bucks, whatever.
1: <laughs> oh, bless you, Pia, wherever you are.
0: Well, that was 10 years ago, so who knows if she still has those prices. <laughs> God knows I wouldn't.
1: Yeah. <laughs> she might have adjusted a little bit for inflation.
0: Yeah, yeah she was cool. And she's a great artist. I'm very happy to have that piece.
1: definitely. So now, how did you come to this book? I don't think you've told me that story. I
0: don't know <laughs> I mean I've always been aware of it because i'm i've always I'm always aware of new vertigo series, so i've I don't know I new about it, and then I waited till it was collected to start reading it. I think I probably read the first couple volumes before it was done, but then when it ended, I read the entire thing over the course of a few months in like two thousand and nine or so. And, yeah, greatly enjoyed it. Been, I, and I've been, like, watching the adaptation cycle of, of it over the last decade or so, because it seems like there's always some version of this story in development for film or television. Like, I remember in, I think in 2008, it was announced that there was going to be a movie with DJ Caruso directing it. Yeah. And Shia LaBeouf actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf <laughs> was rumored to uh, be starring and like it was on and off that was going to happen. DJ Caruso said that he had planned, I think, like three or four movies, each one adapting a chunk of the story because he thought that the whole story wouldn't work in one movie, which obviously you can't cram 60 issues into a two hours. So, I mean, that, that sounded interesting enough and I don't think that that ever... I mean, I don't know how far along they got in development of that. And then there was, I think there was a couple other film adaptations in the works. And then there was a TV version in, I want to say that started in like 2015. It was just called Why for FX? No, 2010. Louis Leterrier wanted to turn it into a TV series, apparently. Then in 2015, it was worked on by Nina Jacobson and Brad Simpson. Oh, yeah, well, that was another thing about the TV ver- Or sorry, about the film version. Apparently the studio didn't like the script as it hewed pretty close to the comic. So Brian K. Vaughn himself rewrote it and did like a complete departure to make it more like film-ish, air quotes. And uh, the studio hated that one even more. Oh, <laughs> oh man. So like it was just one of those – I don't think the studio was ever really interested in it. And they were just kind of spinning their wheels, letting the creatives work on it. Constantly telling them no until they just put it away, mm-hmm. and then yeah. So then I think in 2016 Michael Green was gonna make it, and in 2018 FX announced they were gonna do it, and then the showrunners quit shortly after they started working on it. I think they filmed the pilot and the showrunners quit, oh. or they were almost done filming it. I don't know. And they had uh, Barry Keoghan. Keoghan, I think you saw you pronounce his name as Yorek. Um, he's the he was the kid in Dunkirk. He was in Killing of a Sacred Deer.
1: Oh, he would, be, would have been yeah. good.
0: Yeah, yeah he, they, I think they filmed the pilot with him, and then after the showrunners quit, they were going to make some changes to the pilot, and then he quit. <laughs> and then uh, there was a new actor, what's his name, Ben Schnitzer?
1: Not familiar with yeah, him. I don't
0: know. Anyway, then he was cast as Y, but what's interesting to me is the supporting cast, uh, Diane Lane was cast as York's mom. Perfect. Imogene Poots was Hero, is Hero, and then Lashana Lynch is Agent 355, which that all sounds good to me. Yeah. One of the interesting things, like looking at the cast list, there's somebody named Elliot Fletcher cast as the character Sam Jordan, and it says it's Yorick's best friend, who's a guy. I'm like, well, does that mean he dies in the pilot, or... Is this like some other guy? <laughs> Maybe that's ampersand. Maybe. <laughs> because that would be really fucking weird if that was ampersand. Uh, and Timothy Hutton plays the president in the first episode. Good choice. Assuming he dies. Uh, and then Juliana Canfield plays Beth, who I don't I don't know who that is. Beth's his girlfriend, obviously, but I don't know who Juliana Canfield is. One of the interesting things to me about this cast is I don't see Alter. Or Doctor Man, listed.
1: Or Victoria.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah,
1: I wonder why not. What's I don't,
0: or... I don't know. Maybe Hero becomes the Victoria-ish character. Could, Could be. be. I don't know. Yeah. But with Doctor, I mean Doctor Man is pivotal, and then Alter. I mean, you know, she's the the one who's chasing them. Right. Like the cat and mouse thing. So I feel like those are two really important characters. And then just from just from a like an optics side, like Man is Asian. And alter is Israeli, like it would. I don't know about how you feel about this, but to me, representation and diversity is, is good. I feel like when we were talking about it earlier, you were against those things. Is that is that right? You don't like represent, representation or diversity? Is that, is that right? Let's back is up. This, is that what we're talking about?
1: I don't recall this conversation
0: <laughs> at all. No, I just I, I remember being very vehemently against. <laughs> People outside the white race. (laughs) Thank
1: God I don't have a Twitter account. I
0: I actually, in my notes, I I wrote down that I was going to back you into a corner. (laughs) To to defend yourself against accusations.
1: Thanks, partner. (laughs) oh well actually let me set the record straight here those are two pivotal roles that i feel like they should have in an adaptation of this like you said it's it's not it's not window dressing these two characters are absolutely important to the storyline and what happens and it's hard enough to it's hard it's hard enough for it's hard enough for black people to get cast in good roles it's even harder for asians and later on future commentary when we talk about uh, Jonah Hex, which we're going to watch later. <laughs> we, then we get into Native American casting, and that's a whole other ball of wax. But no, um, these two characters are absolutely important.
0: Yeah, it's, it feels weird that they weren't on the cast list like immediately, so I don't know. Maybe that's only for the pilot. Who knows? Because the, So that's another thing. They refilmed the pilot in February of 2020, so like, right as the pandemic hit and apparently scheduling for the se- like, so the, that production was suspended. I don't know if they finished the pilot or not, or if they were going into the whole series overall, but it was expected to be released at the end of 2020. And now that's not going to happen. So, uh, looks like it's restarting in October and to conclude in July of 2021. Yeah. So that would suggest to me that that would be the whole first season. That's a, that's a long filming window, so fingers crossed they actually do it, because this, this uh, story has been set to be adapted for, what, like 12 years now? <laughs> a long time.
1: A long time coming.
0: And I don't know, who knows if it'll be any good. Um, it, seems like, it seems like there's a lot of projects like this that have just been languishing forever, and then with the advent of streaming services, they finally find a home. Like, The Boys on Amazon. Right. That was set to be adapted in, like, 2008, starring Simon Pegg. <laughs> and then that, you know, the, there were multiple versions of that movie and then TV series. And then finally in, what, 2019, you got the TV show on Amazon, which is, like, critically lauded. So I guess they, uh, I guess it was a good idea to wait.
1: <laughs> Came out at just the right time.
0: Uh, what else do we have to say about why?
1: Why The Last Man? Okay. Okay. I know, I, I, got, I got some notes here. Oh, I do, as an amateur history buff, I do appreciate the War of 1812 reference. Even though, if anyone has read the book and you're listening out there, the Canadians did not torch the <laughs> White House. <laughs> and uh, I, I do like that, again, the fact that this finally is getting an adaptation, it's, maybe it's just, you know, as comic book fans, we see this and we're like, well, absolutely, this lends itself to another medium, especially this, because again, there's so many panels in here that this looks like the storyboard for how they're going to set up camera shots yeah. and what the scene's going to look like. So, if you've read Why the Last Man out there, tell us what do you think about it? What do you think of Yorick and Hero? It seems like. Well, if you spend too much time on the internet, it seems like there's a lot of controversy surrounding this book and how feminism is portrayed and what it would really look like if uh, all men were to mysteriously die off of the earth. But uh, that's kind of what makes it a good book.
0: Well, I don't, I don't get that. I don't understand that that complaint because there's just as many heroic characters as there are, as there are villainous. Right? Isn't it more feminist to show the wide range of female characters? <laughs> than to have everyone fit into a nice, nice neat box.
1: That's what I think, too. Um, I, mean, yeah. I mean, and
0: I'm, I consider myself a feminist, <laughs> and it, seems, it just seems interesting, interesting to me how well-rounded a lot of these characters are. Their motivations make sense, and that is, to me, the most important thing. Like You can, you can see the machinations behind their decisions, and because of that, the heroic characters' decisions make sense as well as the villainous characters'. And that that's the mark of a good character and good writing to me. More than ticking boxes of making sure people are happy or something, you know? Like right. well, the writers are gonna or the readers are gonna love this because I made this character say this. <laughs> and,
1: exactly. Uh, <laughs> and again, it's not just this volume, it's sixty books. Yeah, yeah. And how boring would it be if everyone comes out super developed, yeah. you know, uh, with this straight moral compass of knowing right from wrong, and we're all on the same page. Like, you don't have a book then.
0: Yeah. I don't know if this is something that's been around, or if I just noticed it lately, but it seems like with social media, I see a lot more people misunderstanding character, like what a character is saying, as opposed to what the writer is saying. Right. Like, if a character says something bad, well, that must mean the writer believes that. Or that's just a bad character, you know? <laughs> I see I see a lot of that lately. And I've I've even seen it lately with like actors, like people not understanding that actors aren't their characters. And saying, exactly. like, well, why, why would somebody play such an evil character if they weren't bad themselves? <laughs> like, it could just be because they're a good fucking actor. They spent <laughs> years dedicated to this craft and um, turning themselves into somebody who could portray emotions and feelings that they don't themselves have. <laughs>
1: right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Same exactly. with writing, you know?
1: <laughs> exactly. There's a part in this book where um, I think it's one of the Amazons uh, uh, refers to another character as what is now seen to be a derogative slur for transsexual people, transgendered people refers to a character as a tranny Mm -hmm. because that's another horrible thing that the Daughters of the Amazons do is Mm -hmm. that if they see a a transgendered person, a, a woman transitioning into being a male, they kill him.
0: Yeah.
1: And that was one of the things that I was, again, <laughs> spending all of my good time arguing about on the internet with someone was saying, well, I can't believe the writer used that. That's a slur. And it's like, well, that's the whole point. Yeah. This book takes place in 2002. These people are going around killing everyone that disagrees with yeah. them. They're not the most enlightened people.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, and it was written in 2002. The word retard is thrown around like three times in this book by, you know quote, good characters, right. and that, that's, that's a word now that, that people just don't use in conversation. There's been a lot of, of discussion about why that word isn't, isn't appropriate, same with the word tranny. Like, we, we've had, what, 18 years of discussing this since then? So, yeah, I mean, you, you just, you, you can't, you can't judge language of 20 years ago by today's standards. Right? No. It doesn't work.
1: Well, and when you align it too with like certain actions that take place in the book, like, don't get me wrong. In day to day lives and policy making, yes, these are issues that should be paid attention to, and we should be talking about them. But it's always funny to me, like when people will call a writer out on a use of a word like that, and yet in the next panel, you know, there's someone doing a horrific act of violence. Yeah, you know, exactly. yeah, like
0: yeah, and that's the whole thing about like you know, if a writer is writing a character saying something, that's the character saying it. It's okay to have characters say bad things in stories. Like, that's, that's the point of story. Right. <laughs> I, I think Neil Gaiman one time said something about people used to be able to... Oh fuck. I I'm going to butcher the quotes, so Never mind. He had, he had a quote about, about how uh, it used to be easy to tell the difference between fiction and reality because if it's a fiction book, it's clearly fiction. <laughs> and now, like, so many people seem to be conflating the two. Or, like, he said something about, like, there used to be a word for people who don't understand the difference between fiction and reality, and now it's just called normal (laughs) or something like that.
1: Good point. That's that's interesting insight.
0: Speaking of, (laughs) so I've been looking on Amazon about Why the Last Man uh, reviews. I want to read some one star reviews for this first volume.
1: Oh, very good.
0: So here's my favorite one. This starts Stephen King's quote must have been for something else. (laughs) This is by Brooks. (laughs) from November 2018. Not sure where all the positive reviews for this series are coming from. Volume 1 does not stand by itself or interest me in a way to continue. I'm assuming there is a twist later, but the way all the men die doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Every decision that every character makes, especially the protagonists, are beyond stupid. There is not one believable or interesting character or situation. The artwork is mediocre at best. I would avoid this serious, I think it's supposed to be series, I would avoid this serious, like the plague that targets the Y chromosome, unless you are specifically on a mission to read every graphic novel ever made. Well. So unless you're some crusader that's trying to log every comic book, avoid this one. (laughs) Which is like... uh, <laughs> how the men die doesn't make any sense. It's not supposed to, you fucking idiots. It's called mystery. <laughs> well,
1: and that's the whole point. It's like, volume yeah. one, people. Volume one.
0: And like, do you not? like, everyone is asking the question, how'd everyone die? Like, that. that's the fucking point.
1: <laughs> We're all asking that. Like, holy shit, what happened? Like, it's
0: like going into a Sherlock Holmes story and being like, how come they don't say how that guy died at the beginning? Because you have to read the fucking story. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs>
1: Why do we have to wait so
0: long to see Moriarty? And this one is from Azrael's Mom. That's, that's the name. I'm not, I'm not making a joke. <laughs> Azrael's Mom. Do <laughs> tell. I love Brian K. Vaughn, but hated. Why? I know everyone and their brother loved this series, but I just didn't like it. It's not Brian. I mean, I loved Runaways, Pride of Baghdad, Saga, and Ex Machina. However, I really hated this story. I tried to, I tried so hard to like it, but alas, could not. I found it strangely boring. I found it strangely, bor- oh, bordering misogyny and homophobia. I say strangely because in every other story, I like how B.K.V. handles female characters, race issues, gender issues, etc. Harumph. Just not my cup of tea, I guess. But again, I don't think it's saying anything about misogyny and homophobia. It's it's characters living in the a, real world. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I I I mean the only thing i could consider homophobia no even that because i was thinking the amazons could be considered like you know butch lesbians but they specifically say they're not lesbians <laughs> so right <I> <laughs>
1: i'm not sure either
0: holy shit that's a long one i'm not doing that one <laughs> oh, damn. dennis wolf says talentless copycat and time-wasting trash Oh dear. save your time it's horrible this is one of the very few books I ever wanted to put aside. In fact, I wanted to throw it into the garbage after an hour of reading. The characters are blatantly stupid and infantile. Storyline goes forward exclusively to their stupidity and mistakes. What does that mean? <laughs> All the evildoers are lazily copied from 80s movies or soap operas. All female characters are copied straight from the 90s TV shows or soap operas. Those are flat stereotypes and copycats. If you would expect Jesus. If you would expect something more from the main character, he is just simply boring. I haven't felt that media just wastes my time since I was watching some soap operas with my grandparents twenty years ago.
1: I think soap operas really hurt the Yeah,
0: I was gonna say this dude has some serious hang ups (laughs) that he has not addressed. (laughs) I'm guessing something happened with his grandparents when he was watching soap operas at a young age that scarred him dramatically. And, what is his
1: yeah.
0: name, Derek? Dennis, Dennis Wolf. Dennis Wolf,
1: right?
0: he's, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, he, he's, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of projecting there.
1: Yes. I don't even know
0: where to start with that one, so, yeah. Oh, don't Buy It, that's a long one by John O'Brien. Yeah, I don't want to read that one, That's too long. No Thanks. Yeah, No Thanks by Amazon Customer. <laughs> <laughs> this book falls into the same redundant pitfalls and fate of almost every other comic this era, this era. Liberal Agenda Crap. Can AI, what the fuck, Where is that, can I I just read a comic that isn't written by Karl Marx for once? Unreal. Yeah, my friend, I've got some really hard things to tell you about the history of comic books. (laughs) 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 Like, are you aware, uh, you know, Captain America's first appearance as him literally punching Hitler? (laughs)
1: Right,
0: right. (laughs) Like, uh, I don't know. uh, Media doesn't get more liberal than comic books, so sorry. <laughs>
1: well, and that's so funny, I mean, because that, on the other end of the spectrum. Oh, yeah, spectrum, yeah, yeah. Like,
0: the other one, yeah, accusing of being, like, homophobic and intolerant, and then, right,
1: <laughs> liberal crap.
0: Yeah, you see what you want to see, so. <laughs> there you
1: go.
0: Media Jones says, waste of time. Spoiler, everyone dies except one man. Hey, guess what? That's the story. That's the name of the book. It's not yeah, a that's not a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> Double spoiler, he's a snot-nosed git. <laughs> Triple spoiler: the women all act and talk like first-year college students. Quadruple spoiler: whatever you think happens, probably does. <laughs> That's it. There you go. It's a great review, Media Jones. <laughs> Another misogynist one. Other rubbish. Don't waste time and money. All right, we're done with this.
1: <laughs> Goodness.
0: That was funny for a little bit, and then it just got really annoying. So.
1: <laughs> In small bites. Small bites. Okay, granted. Um, All art is subjective. And like that one lady said, I think it was, was it Zazel's mom? Is Yeah, probably. Someone's mom. um, Your mom. Your mom (laughs) was just like, this is not my cup of tea. I understand that. But I don't know. Maybe I'm expecting too much. It's like, if you don't like something, explaining why is just as important as why you like something. It's like... You can like something just because it's fun, it's entertaining, whatever, but when you don't like something it's like, okay, give it give me a review. What is so bad about it? And let's talk about it. But just be like bad.
0: Yeah. Well, well, there's a difference between feelings and opinions and reason to criticism. There's plenty of things that I don't like just because I I don't like them. Like they I don't have a, an affinity for them. But that's no that's not a criticism. You yeah. know? I'm not big on the works of Shakespeare overall, just because it's, it's just not something that I enjoy reading. But I have no critical issue with Shakespeare, you know? <laughs> like, I, I understand why reading Shakespeare and understanding those stories is important, just so that you can understand the naming of the main character of this book, really. I and mean, that's, that's right. one, it's the only reason to read Shakespeare, so you get the joke about Yorick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of other reasons to read Shakespeare, kids, but, you know.
0: Disagree! <laughs> And I'm going to tell you why.
1: (laughs) So far, (laughs) It's a good book. It's a vertigo. If you get a chance, pick it up, read it. Tell us what you think about it.
0: Or don't. I don't care.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know what would make Colby really happy, though, is that because the uh, main character here is somewhat of a theater kid... Go to our Twitter, at Vertigo Voices, and in the comments, leave Colby your favorite musical number. He would really appreciate that. It would make his day.
0: Extra points if you sing it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) TikTok yourself, belting out trouble in River City, or whatever the (laughs) fuck that song's called.
1: (laughs) Anything from Rent.
0: (laughs) Fuck you. That's not funny. (laughs) Oh. But before we
1: go, if you'll humor me.
0: Yeah, yeah. uh,
1: Why the Last Man is also a challenged book. And coming up here September 27th through October 3rd is Banned Books Week for 2020. Now, this was launched in 1982 as a response to a sudden surge in the number of challenges to certain books in colleges and libraries, uh, in schools, and in uh, public libraries as well. And it's put on, its main backer is the American Library Association Office for Intellectual Freedom, who also works with, I'm gonna mess this up, it's the Comic Book Legal Legal Defense Defense. Fund. And uh, in 2015, Why the Last Man was one of uh, several challenged books at a college in California. And when you think about it, 2015 wasn't that long ago. So if you care about uh, freedom of speech and books are important to you, we encourage you to check these organizations out, see what they're all about, and maybe even think of uh, donating what you can to help them in their mission. That's my good deed for the day.
0: Are you going to talk about the the case, the <laughs> college student?
1: <laughs> well, why not? Look, well, you yes.
0: made me read this goddamn article, so... <laughs> I feel like we have to talk about it or else I just wasted five minutes of my life that I desperately want back.
1: (laughs) Your blood pressure spiked for nothing. Yeah. In 2015, I believe it was at uh, Clifton College in California, a 20-year-old English student protested the curriculum in an English class that revolved around graphic novels Specifically, why the Last Man, uh, Sandman, The Dollhouse. Uh, I think another one was Persepolis. Yes, there was one more. more. Yeah, I don't remember. Something Alice and somebody Funny Home.
0: Fun Home. Fun
1: Home. Excuse me. Wait,
0: is that the name of it? By it's by uh, Bechtel. Alice and Bechtel. Yeah, the creator of the Bechtel test. Oh,
1: there you go.
0: Um. Do you know, you know what the Bechdel test is? I do. Surely. Okay, good. I, I didn't know that she wrote comic books. Yeah, so yeah Fun Home by Alison Bechdel. All
1: right. She so learned something new today. <clears throat> and thankfully, the books were not removed from curriculum because that was the student's goal and and her father. They wanted the books removed from the curriculum entirely and also removed from the campus.
0: Yeah, from the campus bookstore because kids go in there. Right? Ah! <laughs>
1: But I think, actually, the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund did step in on this one, and they helped the college out, because, at the very least, uh, her and her father wanted uh, disclaimers put on the front of the books. Like, you know, warning, mature adult content, although I'm pretty sure there's already a label like that on most comic books. And... uh, It's one of those examples of challenged books that thankfully did not come to pass, you know, uh, logic and reason ruled on this one. But I think this kind of ties into argument I hear about censorship a lot these days. And you've probably heard it, too, is that so many people associate censorship with you post something on your social media and then people call you on it. And they're like, and they ask you to defend your stance. Yeah. And then you hear, you know, the, uh, the pushback of, oh, I'm being censored. I'm not yeah. allowed to be express myself. Folks, that is not what yeah. censorship is. Censorship is a case like this where someone comes along and sees a body of work that they don't agree with for whatever reason and they think it should be removed from public purview because they don't think that you have the emotional intelligence and wherewithal to sort out these complicated things for yourself.
0: If I don't like it, then no one can read it. Exactly. When Her fucking quote, she says, because she took this class about comic books and said, I expected Batman and Robin, not pornography. <laughs> hey, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you so bad. Like, i just... <laughs> like to, to not tell the difference between art and pornography or to just call art pornography, like that, that pisses me off so bad. Because I, 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 I've been in the Sistine Chapel, for God's sake. I've, I've seen the, the painting of The Last Judgment in person, which is just nude people. <laughs> so that pornography right. is, ah, God, I, just, I hate that way of thinking.
1: And just on that note, too, that's the quote of someone who's never read a Batman or a Superman.
0: Yeah, movie. exactly. <laughs> well, and, and that's just that infantile thinking of comics for kids, which I've made fun of so many times over the years that I, I hate even bringing it up. And I hate thinking that there's people like this in the world that are, are just like such Philistines that they, they don't understand the concept of art or the evolution of art, and that, and that they think that art can't be adult. or violent or erotic or anything like they they think that art for the masses has to be the most mundane boring shit in the world because that's what she means when she says batman and robin she doesn't literally mean batman and robin she means something that's easily digestible for kids and people with small minds yes
1: (laughs) the the literary equivalent of that painting that hangs up in the waiting room of the doctor's office yeah
0: exactly just the
1: idea too that like it's okay if you don't, again, that your feelings about a certain piece of art or a piece of work. Like, for example, um, the movie, I can't remember the director's name, but it's a notoriously famous movie, 100 Days of
0: Sodom. Yeah, Pier Paolo Pasolini.
1: Thank you very much. I hate that movie. <laughs> I hate it. I watched it once. I will never watch it again. And anyone who brings up the fe- like, oh, no, 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 this is what it represents. It's a commentary on... Um, the war and fascism, fascism and authoritarianism, it's like, okay, fine, still don't care. Yeah. I hate that movie. Um, that's fine. You can, you can be offended by something to your very core. Yeah. However, when you say that that offends me, so it should not exist, no one else yeah. should have access to it, that's where you're crossing the line and really need to probably find a better hobby. Yeah
0: funny that you brought that movie up because that just came up in conversation not too long ago with a friend of mine because I've seen it I've owned the criterion edition of it and like I I, I don't know it's it's horrific and and gross but I've seen worse (laughs) 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 and it doesn't it doesn't really it it affects me in that it's it's art and its purpose is to affect and offend so I I get it but I like didn't keep me up at night or anything and I have this friend who's like really into like shock horror Like, he loves, like, you know, crazy, violent, ridiculous horror movies. And he told me he found a copy of that at uh, Goodwill one time. No way. And so he he always does these, like, crazy horror movie nights with his friends. He's like, I'm going to show him solo, dude. (laughs) And so he said, so he put it in and they watched it. And he said that at, like, the halfway point, he had to pause it. And be like, listen, guys, this is just a movie, okay? <laughs> like, I, I looked into it. Nobody actually died. Like, nothing bad happened. <laughs> this guy's, like, a respected director. Like, I promise. Because he said they were so, like, like just distraught with what they were watching. And, and as he was telling me that, I was like, really? That? <laughs> like, I've, I've seen what you like. And this isn't nearly as bad as any of that. So, huh, Okay. <laughs> That was the one that pushed him over yeah, the edge. Yeah, head. exactly. He's like, dude, I, I couldn't think about it afterward. Like, it fucked me up. <laughs> huh? Okay.
1: Well, I think, and I say this with with all respect, I would say that when it comes to film, you've seen a lot that the average moviegoer has not seen.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have, and I, and I, again, like, I don't necessarily think it's it's seeing quote a lot as much as just the mindset. Because, like, I know a lot about filmmaking. When I'm watching horrible things in a movie that is made, you know, like, this isn't a fucking snuff film. Like, these are actors who are getting paid to do something. Exactly. There's a huge crew behind them, you know, behind the camera, making sure that the, oh, that fucking gory shot looks right, you know? Like, so when I, when I boil it down to the science of it, like, not a lot affects me just because I understand the filmmaking behind it. It's really hard for me to be affected emotionally by a movie so mm-hmm. that that i don't know that's that's what i chalk it up to at least and not because i'm some cold-hearted psychopath
1: <laughs> <laughs> no no no. But no i mean and again that's what tempers it for me too is like, i don't know if this is true but i reading about the production of the movie like again you watch it on screen and there are all these horrible things happening but behind the scenes like it it was said that like the cast and crew all had dinner together every night oh, yeah, they were exactly. playing football in between shots you know to alleviate some of the more strenuous uh scenes they had to film and so again it's like i don't like it don't need to watch it again but it exists and it has a right to exist
0: yeah, yeah. exactly and that's yeah that's, that's like art should be treated not i don't like it so get rid of it
1: right right i just think that's if anything offends me, really, really, it's that. Yeah.
0: That said, I would get rid of the Justice League director's cut in a heartbeat if I could.
1: <laughs> I'm okay with that. That might be the but...
0: Because I'm a fucking hypocrite right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, come on, come on, people. Be honest with yourselves. If, if this version of the Justice League never came out, would you miss it? Would you?
0: Like, I know I wouldn't, but... <laughs>
1: Well, it's like, look down to the core of your soul and ask yourself that question. You
0: know what's funny to me, too, is that for as much of a fucking mess as the our theatrical cut of Justice League was, I didn't hate it. I mean, objectively, it's a terrible movie. And the the first scene of CGI-faced Superman is just fucking ghastly. But Superman doesn't knock down any any cities. And Batman doesn't murder anyone in it. So because of that like yeah I mean this is this is light years better than those other movies. <laughs> I could give a shit about the cartoon looking villain and the CGI that that looks horrible and the overblown co- color palette because A, at, at least Superman isn't a raging destruction monster and Superman doesn't or, and Batman doesn't have a murder boner the whole time. So True.
1: <laughs> and they do actually there's actually some uh, well, there's some actual conflict there as opposed to Batman v. Superman where you're like, what's the conflict? Why are you guys fighting?
0: Like, yeah. <laughs> Although the storyline for Justice League doesn't make any more sense than Batman versus Superman. But again, I, that, that's how easy I am to please. That as long as Superman doesn't flatten the city and Batman doesn't <laughs> murder everyone he sees, I will be happy with that adaptation. And I still don't want to see this new Justice League. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the bar is really low, and yet...
0: <laughs> That's where we're at with DC movies.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it doesn't take a lot to impress us these days in that department.
0: <sighs> so are we done with Why the Last Man? I On think volume so. 1, colon, unmanned.
1: <laughs> I, I think we have pretty much covered it. Right.
0: Um, yeah, we'll get around to the other volumes eventually. So what, next up we're going to be watching Jonah Hex, the thrill ride 2010 action supernatural <laughs> western starring Josh Brolin, John Malkovich. Why am I padding here? I need to pad when we actually watch the movie. This is this like a 70 minute long movie. Fuck. <laughs> <Okay.
1: laughs> <laughs> we're just preparing ourselves yeah. for what lies ahead.
0: Anyway, so we're going to watch Jonah Hex next. And then I think after that we should read Two Gun Mojo first Jonah Hex Vertigo comic yes written by Joe Lansdale yeah it's it's fun it's a again a supernatural western let's do it alright cool so that's what, we're, that's what we'll do over the next couple weeks um what do you say at the end <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us uh you can if you want to get with touch <clears throat> let me try that one more time if you want to get in touch with us you can email us at Vertigo voices at gmail.com uh, you can look us up on twitter at vertigo voices you can look us up on I don't know podcasting apps I just got us on a new one as well oh which one I don't fucking remember
1: <laughs> it's a surprise if
0: I log into gmail it'll tell me because it was the last email I got uh, iHeartRadio oh excellent so we're now on iHeartRadio and Amazon Music We used to be on just the Amazon podcast site or whatever, but now we're on Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, everywhere you listen to podcasts, you can download us. So, yeah, follow us, like us, share, rate, need them them five stars for all the money that it gives us? (laughs) I don't know. I'm not sure what the conversion rate is from stars to dollars, but I assume it's really high because everyone talks about how important those five stars are. Apparently so. And I, I like, I'm, I just quit my job so that I can do this full time now. So (laughs) (laughs) that's not true. (laughs) So please, please, please. (laughs) So that's on you listeners. (laughs) If I lose my house, this is your fault.
1: (laughs) So yeah, comment, like, subscribe, share, um, you know, uh, we would love to hear from you. Or at least I would. I don't know about Colby, but...
0: <laughs> I could go either way, to be honest. I've, I've been on the internet. I know what people say to to things... I, I've, I've seen the vitriol that people spit out of things that they profess to love. So I can only imagine what somebody would say to us. So. Oh,
1: dear. and you know, That'd be a backhanded compliment.
0: So, yeah, I, I don't really give a shit. I just I, I, just, I just want them down once. <laughs>
1: Come with us on this journey. (laughs) And, yeah,
0: we'll see you next week. You always say keep reading. You didn't say it this time.
1: Oh, well, obviously you should keep reading.
0: There you go. (laughs) All right, we're out.
1: Bye. Bye.